Hello and welcome to Advantage Better's uh, Pinnacle podcast as we preview the first part of the Sunshine Double and what I hear some people call the unofficial fifth major in tennis um, and that's Indian Wells Masters from Palm Springs. Uh, I'm your host Charlie Deer and I'm once again joined by tennis data expert Dan Weston, the right hand man right here to uh, run the rule over. Uh, the first part of this uh, Sunshine Double, as I say, from the US. How are you doing, uh, Dan? Nice to see you again. Yeah, no, definitely been great. To, great to get back on, Charlie. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Looking forward to this tournament in particular. One of my favourite ones in yeah. the calendar. Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a big one. Like I said to you before we started uh, recording, this is one that we wanted to sort of pinpoint more than we've done in the last few years with it being very sign- like significant for the players. And um that's sort of what I wanted to ask you first. So what do you feel the reputation is of the tournament from the players? And then second part of that is from sort of like analysts and writers and people who work on it. Mm. So I think, I think obviously you mentioned about the sort of fifth Grand Slam nickname of the tournament so far. So obviously it's an extremely prestigious tournament. And then obviously following up from Indian Wells, we've got Miami in a couple of weeks' time as well. So look, there's there's a lot of ranking points at play and a lot of money at stake over these these tournaments. Um, I think I think this year it's got about $9 million prize pool in, just in Indian Wells alone, $9 million. And... There's 2,000 ranking points up for grabs between this and, and Miami. So two titles, 2,000 points, rocket you up the rankings, especially with uh, the men's tour in particular. With Djokovic and Nadal absent, um, gives some players a re- some real scope to, to move up the rankings and get into a position where they could potentially also get a good seeding spot for the French Open in a couple of months' time as well. And then maybe like from your perspective... How do you see the tournament when you sort of um, when you're writing on it or or just just enjoying yeah. it as well? Yeah, so so I, mean, I like the tournament in terms of the dynamics of it because it's a I think 10, 11 day tournament generally. Um, so it's not quite as as rushed as a normal ATP tour event, like a Masters event, like a for example a Paris Masters or Shanghai Masters, for example, um, and. Uh, slightly more relaxed than than a grand slam where obviously you've got 64 matches on the first two mm. days which just tends to take it out of you a little bit um so this is this is a little bit more slower paced i quite like that it's, it's quite ironic that the, the tournament structure slower paced because the courts are pretty slow paced as well so looking at the men's data um we're running about one and a half percent of service points, one below the ATP Tour average for hard court over the last three years at this venue. Ace per game is a very low at zero point four three, um, and tie breaks per set is also lower at zero point one five. So this is clearly a venue that that tends not to suit the big servers. It's it's uh, certainly a venue where you're not going to see as many tie breaks and 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 one set break scores if that makes sense you're going to see some some longer rallies less 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 points won by the your yeah, server of one point one point uh, one shot points by the server um and uh you might see a few sort of more clay quarters come into this tournament with some hopes at least you know not many are going to have a chance of winning it but they're going to have a chance of like a three plus 
underdog shot of winning a couple of matches or whatever like that. So, so look, yeah, there's, there's some pretty unique dynamics to this tournament, and that stems across to the women's as well. Again, one and a half percent service points won less than the WTA Tormina over the last three years. Again, aces per game count is very low. And interestingly, in the women's tournament, it, I was looking at trends of winners and stuff like that, and, and there aren't really any. The last five winners have all been first-time champions at Indian Wells, and the last nine winners have all been different. So, so look, the, no one's dominating this event in, in, in the women's tournament. In the men's tournament, Novak Djokovic has had a pretty successful time of it, winning five titles. So has Roger Federer, but not, none of them have won since 2017. And I think uh, there's only three or four players in the draw who have reached the final in this tournament. So chances of uh, a men's, certainly some new names on the men's trophies could could well be pretty likely this uh, this year. Just uh, you sort of mentioned it a bit there when you sort of said about clay court players, but is there, you can pick out like a style of player who would do well here? Or, yeah, um, so 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 primarily uh, when I say clay quarters, I mean more return oriented type players. So players with a fairly small gap between their service points one and return points one. So like a big server, for example, will like a Sitsipas will have he's got thirty seven percent currently between his service points one and return points one across hard and indoor hard over the last six months. Whereas a a return oriented player like a Carlos Alcaraz. Same same time scale is about twenty five percent. So, so there's a smaller gap between service points one and return points one, uh, and just generally high return points one percentage is is the dynamic that I think will probably have a greater chance in this tournament compared to the Sitsa passes and the uh, Casper Rudes and and Berrettini's of this world who tend not to have high return points one percentages. We transition over into the ATP tournament then. Um, mm. Before we speak about Novak Djokovic not being at the tournament, yeah. uh, a couple of other players, you, well, you said Rafa Nadal and, and Nick Kyrgios are not going to be uh, at the uh, at the event either. Um, you can sort of put Djokovic's name in here, but I just sort of think of how much of basically how much of a loss that is for the tournament itself. And, and then maybe a second part of that is like, how much stock do you put into like the the winner of the tournament with, with, with those three players not there? Um, I, I'm less concerned about the absence of Nadal or Kyrgios in terms of if we're looking at the prestige of winning the tournament. Uh, Djokovic obviously is a different case given the fact that his you know his results over the last year or so have have, have been as imperious as as it probably almost ever has been. So so. Um, yeah, he he would have gone into this tournament. I think probably still the man to beat, uh, but obviously, obviously he's not going to be there, which is I think a real shame for the tournament. And uh, I'm not, but I'm not sure that many players will be complaining about it. Uh, and a few might be looking at it as an opportunity to to pick up some cheaper ranking points over over the next couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I don't think it devalues the title, but I I. I I know what you mean. I just, yeah, I think every player will probably just try and take the opportunity if it comes, really. Yeah, it's one of them ones where, as you just said, Djokovic is basically uh, nailed on to be favourite at every tournament he's at. So, yeah, to give a little bit of uh, little bit of opportunity for others there. Like, But to be fair, I think Medvedev is the favourite, but 
But then yeah. he's beaten Djokovic and Rublev on the way to the the, the title in Dubai. Uh, mm. Just just gone here, so it's not like he's uh, it's the be on end or if if he's not around, I suppose. Yeah, no, Daniel Medvedev, I think, is a really justified favourite right now in the absence of Djokovic. Um, he's won the last three events that he's played in consecutive weeks in, in Rotterdam, Doha, Dubai to make it 14 unbeaten for, for him right now. Uh, although he's never made the final here. And I, and I do kind of, if, you, if you're looking at a doubt over Medvedev, um, which there aren't many, I don't think, um, you're you're looking at the fact that he probably does his best work on qu- in quicker conditions as opposed to to these sort of slower hard courts that you're going to you're going to find in a, a Indian Wells and and to a lesser extent Miami so you you you'd, you'd say it's it's not the 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 value there might be someone else apart from Medvedev here even though he's a favorite yeah yeah so look he's He's not ever really made much of an impression here. He's, he's not, in fact, he hasn't even played that much here. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time out, he made the uh, third round, uh, oh, sorry, third round for C, so fourth round, uh, uh, losing to Grigor Dimitrov in three sets. Uh, and yeah, he hasn't played much. At 2019, he lost to Filip Krijinovic in, in his second match. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, he's got a lot to prove at this particular venue. As I said, I don't think that he's, his game is necessarily suited for such slow conditions. Um, so who will be? Um, yeah, good question. So personally, as as I'm sure most regular listeners and readers of, of, of my work will will appreciate, I, I'm not big on second favourite Stefano Tsitsipas at all at, at around 6.5 current market price. Yeah. Um, again, it's just too self-oriented. Uh, and look, he won... He, he won a lot of matches at, at the Australian Open, but they were often very variance-heavy matches and, and included a really high percentage of break points converted. And that's just not sustainable. Uh, and uh, he's lightly played since then, losing to Sinner in, in Rotterdam a couple of weeks back. And, and, and look, I don't think this is the conditions for him either. He's never made the final here. And uh, I think there's some better options. So if we go down go down the draw, looking at those better options, um, I think that, that Yannick Sinner represents better value at, at almost twice the price of Tsitsipas. He has that return-oriented dynamic. Uh, a, week before, a week before last, he, he um, reached a final, so he's in reasonable shape. Uh, did have an illness problem, which caused a, a withdrawal from Marseille, but I don't think that's going to be a major issue for him going into this tournament. Um, do, you, do you think a lot of players will, if they've got a little niggling injury or something that's playing on their mind, they might sit out of the last couple just to make sure they're here, they're here for Indian Wells yeah, as opposed to other yeah, tournaments? Yeah. Especially when they're, those, those, the warm-up tournaments might be mainly in Europe as well. And I know they've got the travel and acclimatisation to do. You know, I spent a lot of time in California myself, so I know that the eight hours nice. time difference from England, for example, is, is pretty brutal and can take quite a lot of time to to adjust to. So, um, you know, yeah, I think that that's, it's important to arrive in in best condition possible. So, yeah, for sure, definitely. Just something to mention on there because... Um... I saw, yeah, Sitsipas. Last time I checked, Sitsipas was uh, was the second favourite, but I've just gone on the odds now, and he's dropped to third, just uh, just behind Alcaraz now. So the market's sort of altering there a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see that it's sort of, yeah, uh, it's one of them. Yeah, interesting to see that where the uh, where the 
where our our better sort of seed sits apart, maybe yeah, out a little bit further than our traders did at the start. Maybe someone's listening to the podcast live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we should start doing that one. YouTube yeah, live, yeah. Instagram live. <laughs> so Alcaraz as well, I think obviously kind of fits mm. that gap. We've he's had that that long term absence from tour, but we know already one how good he is and two how good he's gonna be. Mm. Uh, and um yeah. Well, what shape, to, so, yeah, so what shape do you think he's in? Obviously Well, after. yeah, I think should be fine. I mean Look, he he's played two tournaments since he come back uh, and on um, on his preferred clay, um, one in Buenos Aires against Cameron Nori um, in the final, and then the res- re- reverse result occurred the week after with Nori getting the better of him, getting some revenge. Um, so yeah, two finals in two weeks. It, it's just pretty positive. Um, does it, it look like he's going to shake off that injury? Yeah, I mean, look, look I think the, actually, if you're looking at players who who should be suited by the conditions here. I mean, I think there's tournaments made for him. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, whether, whether he's, you know, fully fit at the moment is, is another matter entirely. But if you look, the draw is going to be important for him, for him as well. And to see, for us to see how he's going to perform uh, in the early stages. So hopefully for his sake, he'll, he'll get a few early sort of gimmies in the early rounds and then, by that time, we'll be able to gauge sort of what his level is before he plays the uh, bigger names in in the latter stages. But I mean, I can see this tournament probably being a tournament that he wins multiple times moving forward. So, uh, yeah, um, whether it's this year, I'm not quite sure. But I think you know, certainly, I'd rather back him at a bigger price or similar price to than Sitsipas uh, mm-hmm. if, if if I was pushed into doing it. Um, and then we've got a cut moving down the list of players that I've got here. I mean, there's a couple of other players who I think at bigger prices might might give you a good run for your money. Um, looking at with players who are fairly return oriented, dynamic. Tommy Paul um, lost to Alex de Menor in in the Acapulco final last week, and there's a much bigger price. Uh, and there's played some pretty good tennis over the last mm. six months, uh, uh, and. Um, Catapulting himself up the rankings, uh, and then and then Dominor himself, who won Acapulco last week. Now this is a player that I've I've been looking forward to doing good things on hard court for for a number of years, but it hasn't really manifested itself. I I kind of at one point thought I had him down earlier as just a, a fast courts specialist, if you like. Yeah. Um, but look, maybe it can be a bit more than that. Uh, maybe this is finally the year that he gets it a little bit more and, and, and does evolve as a player. So, so those, those two players are, um, I think he's, I think he's someone I always pick out like every single time we do this as someone that could trouble some of the more, the favorites and, uh, Mm, he he does every now and again, but maybe you just need to see it more regularly. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and then the other one, name, sort of these sort of back to product players around that sort of 25 to 35 price might range. Uh, Cameron Norrie, who actually won this event in, in 2021, which was a surprise yeah. at the time. And obviously coming off some, some strong performances on clay. And I wonder if that was a deliberate ploy for him to go to the play on clay in South America in terms of the acclimatization for this tournament, playing on some slower conditions than what he would find playing indoors in Europe. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen worse spots than that as well. So I think those are a few players who who might give you a run for your money sort of 
further down the list of underdogs, if you like. It was inter- interesting you said about, um, well, first of all, I was going to ask you about the, some of the Americans that sort of did well at the Australian Open. And obviously mm. Paul was the one that went to the to the, to the the semis of, of, of that tournament. Um, and you have like, I think, was it Seb Corder and, and, and Shelton mm-hmm. as well? Corder's the name that sort of everyone uh, has heard of a bit more regularly. But do, do you see that as a bit of maybe a watershed moment for, for some of the American players or something that might be a one-off this season? Yeah, no, no, I, I think that, that Sebastian Corder is extremely talented. Uh, and he's someone I've been talking about for, for several years now. And, and, and I, I really do think that it will be you know, a very big disappointment if he doesn't firmly establish himself into the top 20 this by the end of the season, you know, well inside the top 20. And then when you've got, you've got, you've got a group of players from America, really, who who have talent and are progressing. So Francis TFO is now picking up results. Um, although probably I would, I would say someone, a player who I've got my eye on for winning a lot of fine margin matches, if you like, or perhaps, which is, yes, yeah, tricky to, tricky to, um, sustain in the long term. Uh, lower, lower profile guys like Brandon Nakashima, who, who's extremely yeah. talented as well. Yeah. Um, as you say, Ben Shelton, who's 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 I think quite serve oriented, um, and uh, also Jensen Brooksby as well. So there's there's a lot of talent coming out of America at the moment, and it's, it's good to see. So yeah, there's I think home supporters have got have got some players to be able to cheer for. Obviously, we've still got Taylor Fritz as, yeah. as one of the one of the market leaders as well. So yeah, yeah reigning um, champion. Chances of an American American player making the latter stages, I think, pretty reasonable. Yeah, he's Taylor Fritz is at plus one thousand two hundred to to defend his crown. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then under that, I always mention Ojeda Aliassim, uh, and to a lesser extent, maybe Shapovalov as well. Is either these those two guys suited to 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 this event? Um, I think I think Ojeda Aliassim will be more suited, but his his form in 2023 has been pretty patchy. Three losses as a 1.35 or shorter favourite already, uh, which certainly doesn't inspire a great deal of confidence in him. Uh, whereas his, his countryman, Shapovalov, uh, it sounds, pretty, sounds a bit harsh, but I just think a lot of players have evolved past him over the last year. Uh, and, and I certainly don't really see him as a, as a major contender for, for big titles right now. And... Um... If we just look at maybe some of the the the, uh, the players in these lower reaches of the of the odds market here, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe particularly some of the like I would say Andy Murray, who made the final of the Qatar Open, what's realistic? <laughs> what's realistic for him here? Because uh, he just seems to uh, defy some expectations a lot. But yeah, I mean, you can I mean, tell that he's uh, yeah, what a player, man. What a player! What a will to win! Like you can't. You can't knock him for the way that his his career is is de- developing towards the end of it, obviously. But yeah, the fight, the willpower that's got him so many big titles in the past has has um, never gone away. Uh, the mind's certainly willing, even if the body's not on occasion. Uh, um, look, I think that it's going to be very difficult for him to win a lot of matches uh, here. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the slower conditions are not going to be massively to his liking either. Um, look, I think getting to second week, maybe round four or something like that, would be would be a pretty solid result for Murray. 
Well, you, you sort of mentioned a few players like Nakashima there, but I was just looking into that lower reaches, maybe the the the, the top, the bottom ten there. Um, I don't know if you got yeah. got it to there. Just, have, any, yeah. just any 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 players there that might be undervalued, even just to get to like you say to the second week. Any anyone else? Uh, I don't think really. I think that that all of them are going to probably be knocked out, or or the vast majority will be knocked out before the quarterfinals. Um, um, yeah, there's some some talented players on there. Some talented young players. We mentioned Nakashima, Jack Draper from England as well. Was that bracket um, of, of someone I've really got an eye on for big progress this year? But I, I still think that there's a lot stronger players in the field, and it, those players are all going to probably have to win at least two matches as an underdog to get to the quarterfinals. I would think. And just to wrap up, maybe the ATP side. Anything else that you, you we haven't mentioned here, or you wanted to mention in terms of uh, the, the the players here and um, and what we might expect? No, I think I think I've summarised it pretty well. I, I mean, like I said, Swerve sits a pass. Um, Alcaraz should be suited by the conditions. Uh, Sinner should be suited nicely and, and is, uh, is is a threat, I think. Uh, and then the likes to say of Nori. Um, Tommy Paul, Dominor, at bigger prices um, could well be could well be decent value. It's interesting that Alexander Zverev has been cut since this morning. I don't know if you've noticed that, um, Charlie. The he's now twenty one, I think, on here. Yeah, which I see that now. Is, yeah, which which is uh, he's almost halved in price for the day. Um, I don't see it at all. He's had a really tough time of things since he returned to tour. Uh, did show signs of improvement recently. Uh, but look, I think he's got so much to find against the top players right now. And I, I think it's absolutely absurd that he's eighth favourite for this tournament. So I was reading, I think Alcaraz needs to win both Miami, well, defend his crown in Miami and win uh, this week to become number one again. Do you, right. think, do you think that's that, especially with Djokovic not playing, do you think that's uh, a realistic, could be realistic? I mean, it all depends how, how his fitness is. Um, mm. Look, uh, winning one title of in this field is going to be tough. Uh, winning two even tougher. Look, oh, I think that's a big, big ask. But I do expect him to give a good account of himself over the next couple of tournaments, particularly here. I think, which say so the conditions, I think, will really suit him. And if we uh, if we go over to to the women's side of the draw, um, I see you, you you were mentioning at the start about how uh, no one really. Uh, that defends this title and it sort of changes hands a lot. I, I, I had mm. a little look as well. I think I, I see it was uh, not since Martina Navratilova in 1990 and 1991 as a player sort of retained this title in the women's mm. game. Um, so as, as you sort of say, it's sort of anyone's game here. Um, yeah. Triontech is our outright, outright favourite. She is nearly every tournament now at plus 150. Sabalenka's now we're at plus five hundred, um, do 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 you do you see this could be uh, you know uh, it's not a foregone conclusion? Yeah, um, look, I've seen the trends in the in the tournament winners market over the years, and I still can't see past her. Um, and I, I know I've said this before the the Australian Open, and, and it didn't quite manifest itself. But look. She's got a bigger gap between her and the field than Djokovic does in the men's at the moment in terms of stats. Mm. And I just think she's 
just far better than everyone else on tour right now. And it takes her to have a real off day and her opponent to play well for 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 there to be much of a chance of uh, some shock results. So look, yeah, I I hear I hear the tournament history, but for yeah. me, she's the player to beat by an absolute mile. Yeah, she's uh, when she's on when she's on it, she she's really on it. But if we uh, sort of talk about. I like to call her kryptonite in recent times, uh, Barbara Kwychikova. Mm. Two, two, I was I saw the stats there, two apiece in matches against each other, but Kwychikova beat her in the Australian Open. And I see Kwychikova beat Pagula and Sabalenka in Dubai as well. Yes. Is she, she's obviously, it seems like she's really coming around to be a serious um, threat again. Um, what mm. have you sort of made of her runs in the last few months? Well, fair, fair play to her because originally when she sort of burst on the scene, um, I had her much more pegged as a sort of out and out clay quarter. Uh, um, but she's she's showing now that she's got this all court game. And when when she won Dubai recently, she actually won four matches as an underdog, including as you say, Pegulas, Sabalenka, Swiatek, and Kvitova. So mm-hmm. you know the the that's a huge positive for her coming into this tournament, and. Uh, also, I think that with the with the conditions being more akin to clay court in terms of pace, uh, that will probably help her as well. So she's certainly one to keep an eye on ahead of the draw for sure. Just just an update of the odds. She's at she's fifth favorite actually at plus one thousand four hundred. So there's still Pagula, Rybakina, and Sabalenka and Swiatek all mm-hmm. all ahead of her. So she she may continue to defy the expectations. Um, but yeah, we mm. shall see. Definitely one to watch there. Um, the we, we I mentioned her in passing there, but Arena Sabalenka finally won the Australian Open, her maiden Grand Slam. She's second favourite. Do you see that that is just about right in terms of the value? Yes, I do. I think that's about right. Um, numbers wise, I have a have her up there, but miles behind Swiatek, obviously. Mm. Uh, but it's pretty tight around that area. I think she's justified going into to this event as second favourite, given her her recent success in in Austra- Australia. Obviously, uh, lost to Kretchikova in, in Dubai, as we've mentioned. Uh, the only thing for me that I'm thinking here is she's not quite got that return oriented dynamic that that tends to do well in in this tournament. So look, yeah, she's a contender, no doubt. But would I back her at current market prices? Probably not. Is there anyone in that sort of upper echelon there that we haven't mentioned yet that you you want to pick out for uh, that could be good value for our betters? Yeah, I mean, I I think I think the the Pagula's, uh certainly got a decent chance. She's reached final and semi final recently. Um, return oriented player and obviously going to get some home support as well. So so that's that that makes her certainly a live candidate. Um, Rybakina. Um, withdrew from Dubai last time out with a back injury so there's some fitness doubts about her mm-hmm. uh, and the same thing can be said of Angebeur as well who had a back injury before the Australian Open and hasn't played since she lost in the second round there so so there's certainly some injury doubts among those players at the top of the market um, so so it'll be interesting to see you know, how they how they fare and what we could see is quite that market opening up quite quickly. Say three out of the top seven or three out of the top eight losing the first couple of rounds. Mm. Um, I think the player that I think you mentioned before, 
um, to me is Sam Sanova. She's right mm-hmm. in the middle of the pack here, at plus 3,000, just below Coco Goff, which is plus 2,000. Do you think that those uh, any of those two could sort of get, get right deep into this tournament? Look, Sam, Sam Sanova is talented for sure, but she's like the world's most highest variance player currently. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, like you know, you talk about inconsistency. Like she reached the final of Abu Dhabi, losing to Benchich, and then but then she was thrashed, brutal, brutally dismissed by Sophia Kenin and Iga Swiatek in consecutive weeks. And you know, Luke getting thrashed by Kenin these days doesn't hold as much water as getting thrashed by Kenin a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually quite good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's. That's that's where she's at at the moment, you know. So you don't know what you're going to get from her, but she's got potential and she's got ability. It's just stringing along those results over over a period of time in in the same tournament. And look, maybe you won't get thirty one on her in the future, but I think that at the moment it's difficult to difficult to to do anything with that price given the inconsistency. And and as for golf, I mean, look. I, I've said for a long time, I think that her current level is overrates her. The markets overrate her quite, quite slightly. Um, generally speaking, I, I find her not often very much value at all. Um, that's not saying that she's not going to be a multiple slam winner, which she probably will be. But at this point in time, I don't find her to be value based on her current ability a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, um, so, one thing I would say though with her, she likes the big moments. She she's got a, a pretty decent record in bigger tournaments compared to some of the smaller ones, uh, and so yeah, you can never write her off. Absolutely not. But is she value at twenty one? I'm not massively convinced. Yeah, we 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 always sort of mention her to say that she could, this uh, could be her moment. This could be the time. Um, one day. <laughs> yeah, we feel like it's coming, but maybe maybe not right now. If I I'm just scrolling down a few into sort of the middle. Uh, middle towards lower end of this market here, and there's quite a lot of players of of one one big tournaments already, like Azarenka, Andriscu, Ostapenko, mm. and even Paula Badosa is is in that mix as well. Would you say that they're of of a, of a higher standing than than Goff here in in getting to this the sharp end of the tournament? Look, I, I think that the names that you you bring up there are, are really indicative of the quality of the field. Uh, and the fact that we always seem to say it, but it's so true, you know, the top 20, top 25 in the market have all got realistic chances of of reaching the latter stages and, and will go into the tournament with with those expectations and, and they can all beat each other on a given day, you know. Um, Azarenka has probably got about as good a record here as anybody, winning twice in the past and was runner-up in 2021. So she'll, she'll have some fond memories of here. Uh, and um, she certainly shouldn't be ruled out, I don't think. Um, the other players, you know, Bedosa had a Meyer, had a strong on clay. So so they they should go well, pretty well here. Mm. Um, so I'll say this, there's plenty of options here if you go through the draw. Um, and so I guess go through the, the list of list of players, I should say, draw, draws tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, Take your pick almost. <laughs> there's there's plenty of players 
who can easily turn up and win this tournament at say odds of 30, 30 or 40, no problem. Is this sort of what we touched on maybe at the start when I was saying how much uh, value this 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 tournament means to some of these players where you might not get this such a strong field in, in other uh, mm. of these events, but everyone wants to be here and you might be a grandstand winner, multiple grandstand winner, but right now you you might, yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to be one of the favourites. Yeah, you, every in every one of these tournaments, these Indian Wells, if you fit, you play. Everyone will turn up. So mm. you always get a really high quality field. And uh, just before we wrap up into sort of sort of just a final few knockings, is there anything else you want to pick out here of undervalued players or anyone that we haven't spoke about? Anything we need to consider? Um, I, I mean, I think I think we pretty summarised it pretty well. Um, I say look for those return-oriented players. I think those should yield some success, whether it's in the outright market or or in the head-to-head matches um, as the draw progresses. Uh, Swearshead, no doubt, the player to beat. Mm. But there's players with chances, like I said, um, uh, Krejcikova, um, Azarenka at a bigger price, Pegula potentially as well. Um, but uh, but so there, there's there's some players definitely to keep an eye on. But also, as I say, it's also some injury problems, injury doubts of players as well. Rybakina, Jean-Gilbert, for example, uh, certainly certainly might be ones to swerve in the early rounds at least. And. Um... We we know that you're going to come with some uh, of our pre of our written previews on on betting resources. Is there anything there um, you might say a little bit different that you want to impart on the listeners right now? Um, so I think largely it will depend whether I write the preview before the draft or after the draft. If it's after after the draw, the sorry, draw yeah. If it's after the draw, then we're going to have some different insights probably, and and we're going to be able to talk about the matchups and pathways to the final, which I think will be be fascinating. Um, but I think I think the other otherwise we're going to be on those same sort of themes. But I'll be able to go through some stats and numbers a little in a little bit more detail in in the written previews. So anyone who's got that sort of date, urge urge for data yeah, yeah. will be located for for sure. Get, get get yourself on that. It will be on pinnacle.com slash better resources there. But I think that's where we'll wrap up then for the podcast. Then Dan, thanks a lot for jumping on. And as I say, looking forward to doing this throughout yeah. the season. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. Been been great to join, and yeah, looking forward to the next one. And uh, that's brilliant. Where can where can everyone find you on Twitter if they don't know already? um, Yeah, at tennis ratings, we'll cover all my content for tennis, written content, podcast content over the year. Lovely. Um, Just from our side, if you can follow at Pinnacle on Twitter, uh, Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, as we'll have a lot of the uh, the podcasts out on there as well. Just a little update from what we're coming up this week as well. We've got our EPL Insights uh, podcast with uh, Gareth Wheeler and Jay Coscothorpe. And uh, also, all being well, our South American Soccer Insights um, back again for another month with Simon Edwards. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, all odds are correct at the time of recording. Please gamble responsibly. And uh, we'll see you probably ahead of Roland Gauss in a couple of months. Take care.